Welcome to today's Senior Leagues episode of the Bake Hill Sports Report on the Live from Lake Balfour Podcast Network. In today's action-packed episode, we will be talking about Senior Leagues playoffs in both basketball and football, both of which have reached the semifinal rounds. There is so much to talk about, both breaking down what happened in the quarterfinal games, previewing what's ahead. There's only two days left of camp action and a lot more playoffs to go, so we'll get to all that coming up on today's episode of the Bake Hill Sports Report. All right, so today I'm joined by Ethan Lairfeld, our resident leagues expert, and new guest on the podcast, Gabe Steiner. So, guys, we are now going to be talking about uh, senior basketball leagues, which had the quarterfinal rounds yesterday. Just to recap for those of you guys at home who obviously weren't there, Chuck's team, who was the one, came in as the one seed, um, took down the Waiters Counselors team that was led by Ruben. Played them the um, first game before the playoffs, too. Yeah, so they played them in the playoffs. Um, Chuck came away with that victory. JFD's team, both Jaden, um, fell to the um, Greenbergers team uh, in the 4 versus 5 matchup. In the 3 6 matchup, the team with Rab and Hoffman took down uh, an injured Ben Cohen. And in the 2 7 matchup, Glatzer steamrolled over the Noodle and Miles Samuels team. So, guys, we're now in, through the quarterfinals. The quarterfinals essentially chalked, and now we get to the semifinals where things are about to get really interesting. What's your initial reactions? Um, I think it's the best of the best. Each team's kind of led by like the bet, like Glatzer, Rab, Eli, Chuck. I say four best players in camp. Maybe Ben, but yeah. Ben's hurt. So. I think we're getting the best of the best right now. Right. Great matchups all around. Right, because we thought, so coming into the playoffs, I would say three of the games, there were heavy favorites. In the game with Chuck, obviously, we know Avi's gotten hurt. They've gotten help from guys like Hillman and Beef, who were called up. Beef after played very well. Yeah, Beef has game. played really well. But I think, I mean, they were the ones because they were in such a role before Avi got hurt. To be playing the team with Ruben and Potters, who just really struggle for depth. I mean, that's an easy win. And then when you look at... Um, the team with the Greenbergers, I mean, that was a good, that was probably the game that was in the most question, but a guy like Eli Greenberger is just, he established himself as the second best player in camp, and he continues to show that over and over again with just his aggression driving to the hoop, his just athleticism is just on a different level, and JFD just really couldn't match that in the game. Yeah, I'm very excited for both these matchups. I'm excited for, you know, Chuck's team to play Eli's team. Partially because these are two teams that didn't play in the regular season and didn't really get a chance to match up with each other. Right, so an interesting storyline is uh, due to time constraints, there was a couple teams that were unable to play each other, which includes this matchup between Chuck and the Greenbergers. And obviously we know that the team with Eli really transformed once Jacob was added to the roster at the trade deadline. Uh, and afterwards, they just looked unbeatable. They've not lost uh, following the trade deadline. And meanwhile, Chuck's team... Beef Stew is having an enormous basketball summer. We know what a big impact player he was on the 14s team, starting, grabbing all the rebounds. And all of a sudden, he actually dropped 40 points in an Olympics uh, Medmen game, which was a huge deal. Um, given that he's not, you know, guys, when you think about that 14-year-old age group, you think of guys like JFD, Miles Samuels. Um, Hillman, who are guys who, you know, are in this league or in this league from the start, at least with JFD and Miles, both first or second round picks, but a guy like Beef Stew was not originally in this league before the Avi injury, and he's just been an enormous help to Chuck. He's really compensated a lot for the loss of Pellet, and he won his uh, own uh, K-House Basketball Leagues uh, yesterday in the finals, and he's been a huge impact player, so I think the matchup of him being the second-verse player versus Jacob Greenberg is going to be a really compelling one to watch. 
Yeah, he's a beast better than anybody at grabbing rebounds and putting it back up and scoring. That's something that Avi could never do. Uh, so you could even make it's a different case game. that that beef possibly could be even more of an effective player than Avi. Just based um, on playing off. I don't think so, but yeah. yeah. But I don't think so, but they both played very well, and Beef has definitely stepped up on Rabbi or Sheffman and, and Chuck's team. I think even more interesting is who's going to guard Chuck. How do you guard that? Chuck's, you know, going to shoot from anywhere past half court. Do you put Eli on him, put the bigger guy on him, or do you put Jacob on him, get Eli rest, you know, let Jacob go to work? Yeah, I'm also That's... curious to see what the coaches, Rabbi and Sheffman, are going to cook up to try to stop Eli Greenberger because he's arguably – just as dominant as a league's player, as Evan Gladstone, what sort of gimmicky defense or what sort of strategy are they going to use defensively to try to combat him? Or, or, or Right, and I think it's an interesting debate because with a lot of the other best players in the league, guys like Gladstone, uh, guys like Rab, guys like Eli, they're, they're bigger players, they're longer, they're physical, and they can really lock up on the opponent's best player. But with a guy like Charlie Bookford, almost in like a Steph Curry kind of way, he's a dominant offensive player, just like a scorer, and he kind of but he's has found a way to use his size to his small, his lack of size to his advantage offensively just by dribbling through people and taking really quick, he has a really quick release, but defensively, He's not really able to just guard a guy like Eli, who probably has four or five inches on him, the way that a guy like Glatz or Rab could lock up on Eli. So that's where I think it's going to be a really fascinating matchup to watch. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm excited to see, especially how Beef and Hillman, who've been playing very good defensively in the two games that they've been on, Rabbi and Sheffman's team, handle yeah, Eli they definitely have to or, uh, or handle even Jacob or the other role players it's on easy. Game. Beef to know that he's guarding a 14-year-old versus like a 16-year-old like Glatz or Rab right. might be easier for Beef. And then you look at the other game, which obviously uh, contains Glatzer in this game. Glatzer, I mean, this team really rolled over. I think Glatzer came out of the gate, and Gabe, we're both on the team. We can attest to it. I think he came out of the gate a little bit unfocused, a little bit. Like, we were playing a team with Noodle and Miles Samuels. It was close to the beginning. And it was close to the beginning. I don't think it was the best matchup for uh, them because they really rely on their size, and Glatzer's just flat out can just get rebounds over Noodle. And he's the only player in the league who can do that. Um, so it was really a bad matchup for Noodle. I think Glassway came out a little bit overconfident. Um, he missed a layup early. just wasn't that focused. And then I think early in the second half, it was still, I think the score was 25-22 early in the second half. Glassway was, like, really locked in. All of a sudden, you got, you know, a lot of the camp. I'd say 50 people probably Alex on the hill. Big three. There's definitely a wake-up. Yes, I'd say yeah. probably 50 people on the hill watching, like, waiting to see, and I think it kind of hit not only Glatzer, but I think everyone on the team, like, oh, man, like, this could be our last game. Like, we really got to focus. And once Glatzer focused and once he was able to distribute the ball to guys like you, guys like Newman, who was made a huge contribution to the game, scoring 15 points, I think that's when it started to click. Uh, Glatzer goes on a 13-0 run. And from there, they just steamrolled the rest of the way through. Yeah, I know early in the game when Evan wasn't focused, Noodle was really grabbing a ton of rebounds and putting it back. He had like four straight at one point. But, you know, after that 25-22 run and, um, uh, you know, a bit before halftime, Evan started to get locked in, you know, really sort of sensed the danger. And then Noodle just became less effective. And it was the Evan show, you know. Because I think even though Evan's the best player in this league by far, I'd say, um, his, like, his team could probably get caught off guard with a slow start and in these playoffs, stuff like that can cost you. Yeah, and I think we've seen that a bunch, and I think that what's going to be really interesting in this next game against Rab and Hoffman, 
and a guy like Elkins also is that I mean, this team is they're playing next round is significantly better than the team with Noodles and Miles Sanders. You go off to that really slow start against a guy like Noodle, who's no, don't get me, he's a good player. But when you go against Rab, both Rab and uh, Hoffman are much better players than Noodle, and can probably dominate a game in a way that Noodle can't. So they can capitalize on that really slow start that Glasser had, and it might be a deeper hole to dig. So you're playing with fire now. We get to the semis, like. People are locked in. A guy like Rab, who's had an awesome Baco basketball career, does not want to go out here at the end. So it's going to be a great game to watch. We'll see the matchups, too, with all the star power with Rab. I'm very excited to see how Leo Hoffman can handle Evan Glasser. We know that he is a insane defender. You know, and if you listen to Maddie's uh, 16's live stream or uh, commentary, he was making plays all over the floor, and he will definitely be locked in and try to face guard Evan at some points during this game, and it will be fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, I would agree with that. It's definitely going to be interesting to see the athleticism on the court because a guy like Leo and a guy like uh, Rab have a lot of athleticism and a lot of length. And Rab, you know, Rab's six feet tall. Like His height advantage, Glatzer has. Obviously, he's so long, Glatzer, but Rab is going to be able to get into him, and Rab is a great rebounder. Um, so that's definitely going to be an advantage. I think... Gabe, we got a lot of rebounds in that game that were like, you know, second, third yeah. chances. That probably is not going to happen against a guy like Rab. He can really snatch down the and ball. Elkins. And Elkins. And Leo. Leo is a great interior player also. So they're just a deep team. It's going to be a really good game. I think that a lot of people in camp who might not be uh, getting the up-close view that we get every game might think that Glass is a heavy favorite. But I'm not really sure that that's the case because we've had a lot of really close games. We've not seen this team with Rab and uh, Hoffman at the same time. And I think that it might be a really tough This uh, team beat Evan. Yes. Different team. This is a, this is a rematch. The rosters are shifting. Elkins. The Rob, right, the Rab and Elkins were on the team, but the addition of Leo Hoffman is going to make an enormous difference mm -hmm. just because the athleticism he brings. Like, it's a second, it's a full-on second threat that you have to deal with. Like, a guy like you, if it's just Rab, who's the primary player, a guy like you, game is probably going to guard Rab and Glasser will be in help. But when you have... Leo and Rab, you're, you might have to guard Leo, Glassville guard Rab, all of a sudden you don't have that help because you have the two superstars to worry about on the defensive side of the ball, which makes a huge difference. So I think the chemistry that Rab and Hoffman are able to play with is going to be a huge deciding factor in this game because if they can play together and be able to pass the ball, I think sometimes with Leo in you know, like 16s and inner camps, he really knows his role and he's really able to execute just being a hyper-athlete defender, gunning the ball up the court, uh, just a great ball-handling dribbler. But I think in leagues, sometimes uh, he can get a little bit like my turn, your turn-ish, which is not bad because he's a great isolation player. He's just a great, great player all around. He forces shots. Sometimes. But I think sometimes he has a tendency to force shots. And uh, with the presence of a guy like Rapp, if they can mitigate that, it's going to be an, make an enormous difference. And they really are going to need everything they can get to mm -hmm. Glatzer. Yeah, I'm also very interested to see, you know, how guys like Newman play. Uh, he was three for four from three yesterday. Enormous game. Yeah, he had an enormous game, and if he's on, you know, there's no stopping a uh, player like Newman and Evan, two very, very good caliber players. Uh, you know, you can shut down Evan all you want, but if his, but that'll force him to kick it out to his support players. If his support players play well, then there's no beating that team. And Newman played fantastic yesterday and just really showed you that what this team can do when they're all clicking in. It's not just a glasser show. Right. Yeah, when... Um when Evan's kind of getting focused by everyone else and 
maybe in this game, it'd be Rabin LSH a double team sent to Glatzer. Right. It's four on three. It's more can the supporting players. Right, guys out. like you and Newman are Ludgate. Yeah, it's always the killer. To step up. It's a killer when, like, you know, Glatzer goes down, you're finally stopping him, like, you hit a three. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, oh, it's man, like, it's a dagger. It's, Every point's tough it's, to get it against Glatzer. It is a dagger. Glatzer. It's a tough, yeah, everything's tough to get in the chronic. That's a three, and it's just like really tough because when you're playing Glatzer, it's kind of like everything matters one. I think that honestly, that's part of the reason why uh, Glatzer's team, you know, we struggle at some points during the season because the other team is so like detail oriented against Glatzer, mm-hmm. knowing that you know he can score at will. Um, and I think sometimes Glatzer can come out as not paying as much attention to the game as the other team is paying to him. So it's going to be really important now that we're in the semifinals. You know, every point matters. Everyone's fighting. It's the end of their Kabeko uh, careers. This is the last time they'll play basketball here as a camper. There's only a couple days left in camp. So I think tomorrow when we get back on the course, it's going to be really aggressive. It's going to be really interesting to see. So, guys, we've now broken down both games. Predictions. You, who do you guys like first in the game, which is Chuck's team with um, Beef Stew, Hillman, Ethan Levine versus uh, – Eli and Jacob Greenberger. It's going to be a really tight game. I'm excited for that one. What do you guys think? I'm on Rabbi and Shefton's team, so I'm a bit biased. So I'm going to punt this to Gabe and Maddie. But, you know, I'm confident in my team. So we'll see. That's but Chuck's Eli, team, right? you, yeah, it's Chuck's team. But Eli will definitely be a struggle to, to stop or even mitigate. I think the Greenbergers together could win this game. But if, if Beef kind of steps up or maybe Ethan Levine steps up or even Lairfeld steps up kind of gives like Chuck maybe 10 or 15 that like he didn't expect I think they could win it but I think the Greenbergers are going to I think I mean I agree I think that there's a really compelling argument for Chuck's team now you have the depth as you mentioned um, with both the Greenberg uh, with both Beef and Helen but at the end of the day I think the Greenbergers are just dominant we've seen it now they're playing in leagues they play it together it's for the last and Olympics they're a big team. Eli is just so big inside. Shire. You got guys like Schreier, JR. Overall, it's just a team where I think that Eli has established himself as the second best player in camp. And as I think you just said a few minutes ago, Larry Phil, a lot of times people have to kind of guard him in a Glasserish way, which beginning of the summer, no one would have said that yeah. Eli Greenberg was going to be the closest guy in this league to Glasser. But I think at this point he is, and to have a guy like Jacob around him, his cousin who has all they have the chemistry and he can really shoot the ball from deep. I think it's just a lethal team. And I think that not only are they going to win this game, but they will probably pose the biggest threat to Glatzer as we move ahead into the finals. If I do not it. think that this will be a blowout, however. I don't think it will be a blowout either. I think it's going to be a close game because at the same time as I mentioned how good Eli is, I think Chuck's just scoring ability – what a great shooter he is, just makes it puts a lot of stress on the defense. And kind of gave him the way you were saying how, you know, when everyone's guarding Glasser, it kind of creates like a four-on-three for you when they're trying to double him. Mm-hmm. It's kind of similar for Chuck because when you have to guard him from that far away, like tightly guard him from that far away, it kind of creates like a lot of separation for the other guys on the team, which can be really helpful. If Chuck can shoot lights out like he did against Glasser in that second game of the year, then... This team is definitely... I think it has a very high ceiling, Chuck's team, just because of how electric Chuck is. But I, I think, also think Greenberger is... Eli is probably more consistent. I agree. Just I agree. I think in this league, if you're not glad, you're not like that dominant, you got to have a second guy with you. And if, if no one steps up in that team... And I think that Jacob, right. And I think Jacob has stepped up. Jacob has stepped up, right. 
But he's been a guy. I think he's clearly the second guy on Chuck's team. Right, he, I think he is the second guy, but he's not really like a traditional score type. As it's top. his third game in the league. Right, it's his third. Right, he has not. You don't know. Not maybe he's had a couple of games. Hope Hammer Ethan Levine comes out. Right, definitely. And then for the other game where we have Ravenel Sage with the two superstar players, Leo Elkins, the third player who was really good for them the last few games, and Glatzer, um, we get great contributions from guys like you, Gabe Newman. Ludkins had some action over the last couple games, played really good two games ago. Um, so the depth, I think, is starting to show for Glasser's team, whereas he go up against Rav, who's clearly um, has some stars. What do you guys think of that game? Well, here's the uh, controversial take. I think Rav's team is going to win this. Oh, um, hot take. Yeah, this is a hot take. Um, I don't think they're going to blow at, blow him out. I mean, obviously, it's going to be very close. But I do think that, you know, uh, a Wolfie's team or Evan's team is a bit vulnerable, especially when their role players aren't playing well. And they, they aren't very consistent. Um, Newman can sometimes have great games. Newman can sometimes, you know, not really play that well. But I think that Rab's team will come up with a lot of intensity. I think Leo Elkins will come up with a lot of intensity. They're all pretty good defenders. And I think that their starting five is definitely the most equipped to sort of corral Glasser uh, a bit at least. Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting because they definitely have a lot of depth on that starting five and a lot of really salt, like, talented depth on that starting five. I just don't think that they played with each other for long enough and good enough to be able to string together a full, because I think there's, especially, I think we saw this in the game before, there's when they played against Ben, and I think that game was really a fair representation because Ben uh, injured his toe during the yeah, chase soccer. He broke his toe, so he's definitely playing hobbled. Um, so I don't really think that game was a fair representation, but there was some times that game where, you know, you see Rab scoring the ball, you see Hoffman scoring the ball, and you're just like, wow, like, the potential this team has is enormous, and I think if they hit that potential, Feldy, I think you're right, like, they could, they could potentially... When does it click, Glatzer, But when does it click is the question. If they click in this game, they have a high ceiling, really high ceiling, like, they can win this league, but that being said... I'm not sure if we've really seen it click yet. Can they put together? You know, they could come out hot, get out to the early lead with Glasser still kind of warming up in the game. But I don't really think it's sustainable because I'm just not sure if they played together long enough and long enough. Gabe, okay, what do you think here? I think that's just two things. One is uh, kind of for Eli and Rab in this case, when they're not being guarded by Glatzer, it's kind of a different level. Right. Like, they're different. But when Rab gets guarded by Glatzer, the free points that you usually get from just like, Putting up a mid-range jumper, they're a lot harder to get. Yeah, Glasser's think... so long. I mean, he was blocking Noodle yesterday. Like, Noodle had shots where, like, he'd be inside and, like, about to shoot a layup. He'd be like, oh, like, easy layup. No, one, no one's as tall. And all of a sudden, from behind, Glasser came yeah. just, like, swatted it away. And it was like, oh, man. That, and I think we saw in Olympics that when Evan turns it on, it's kind of tough. Yes. I mean, the United, the United team with Ben Cohen and Rab, I think, is the best comp you can have to this league's team. Agreed. With Very two much guys. Much. And even with that, it's just you can't stop them. Yeah. Yeah, I think that uh, you know I that Rab team is guaranteed to win if Aiden Rab drops like over fifteen points. We he's been a good player all year, but he's not the type of guy who like a like he's Chuck. Not, yeah, he's really not really like puts like, up over twenty. He's kind of like game. an all around guy. He's not really like a heat check guy like some of the other players. But he has his strong moments. But he has his moments, and I think if he can have enough of those moments, and the moments when he's not really scoring the moments, being more of a distributor, rebounder type player, if Hoffman can step up and kind of mm-hmm. take the lead, and if they can really work together on it, I think that's when you see this really become an interesting game. That being said, though, 
I'm just not sure if it's going to click. I think that Latzer came out slow in the game against Noodle. I think he might have underestimated the beginning of his competition. I think once he realized that like, they were in it to put up a fight, I think he kind of turned it on. I think he comes into this game uh, two days after the game before coming into this game focused. I think he comes ready. And I think Newman, having dropped 15 points the game before, is going to come ready to play as well, shooting the ball from deep. And as a factor of Glatzer, you know, just being guarded so tightly, Newman's able to get those open shots. And had Newman been on other teams, Newman is not getting those shots. So I think we're assuming they're, if assuming they're falling at even a solid clip, I think Glatzer is a heavy advantage here. I think this is probably a 10 to 15 point victory. I'm just pretty high on the fact that Glasser's going to come out hot. And I'm not sure if Rabin LSH, not, not that they can't be good for moments, but that they can really sustain it over an entire league That Glasser can kind of, that sometimes he can take Rab out of the game, it seems right. like. And then it just seems like it's just Leo. And we've zone. seen on and the we've team, seen a team. And we've like seen that. a team with just Leo. And good and, players around him. And good I'd players around before. him, and it did not work out perfectly. Because he just not really, he doesn't really thrive in isolation. Um, if Rab's taken out of the game, and Leo's really not... Maybe hitting a shot that the team kind of struggles with for shooters as well. I I do however think that if you know this team can't d up Evan, which I think they do have a good starting five to do, they're definitely the best equipped to also go tit for tat with him. I mean, you know, there's a strategy where you just guard all the supporting players on Evan's team and just sort of let Evan score and hope that you score back and just make it a shootout. That was a strategy that was sort of employed by uh, you know. Rabbi and Sheffman game two, and I think that if, if they want to go with that strategy, this team also has the best starting five to do that, to constantly put up buckets to challenge Evans. All right, I think it's going to be interesting to see how Dan Dan, who's their coach, is going to be able to come out and play this game because he has a lot of weaponry. He has a lot. Yeah, a lot of it is focusing on how to beat Glatzer, not how to win the league. Right, agreed, because I think once you get by this game, if you can get by Glatzer, then you got probably have the Green Rares or Chuck coming off like Winnable. I think at this point they gotta be focused just on how do you stop one. I mean, how do you stop Glatzer? At the end of the day, that's what matters. It's been done he's before. He's the best player in the league, but it's been done. He's. It's not like every game he's playing this year. Last year's year blown him out. Like it's been close and exactly. Well, that's a great point. Last year's senior team. leagues, uh, female tough down Glatzer. Female Casher. Yeah. yeah. Um, Glatzer didn't even make it to the finals last year. He lost in the semifinal round. So, obviously, that was different competition. I mean, older. but FEMA's also on the same level as Evan and Eli in terms of, like, dominant scoring Correct. ability. You see, right, you know, that's the like, thing. A guy like, even though Rab is a great player, he's not on that level of, like, pure dominance that a guy like uh, FEMA was last year or a guy like Eli or Glatzer is this year. I would say pure scoring because when it comes to, you know, just playing defense and just getting rebounds and passing, Rab's the best there is at it. I do agree. But in pure just creating things for himself and just scoring, even though he isn't a terrible scorer, he's a good scorer, you know, I would take Eli, maybe even Chuck, maybe even Evan. Right, and this goes back to my point that you're going to need uh, Hoffman to really be a distributor and create shots for Rab, because that's what he does best in inner games. I think sometimes, like I said before, when he gets to lease, he can tend to be looking for the isolation. He's such a great athlete, such an amazing athlete. Um, really just so quick. He can really, if he can attract the defense in with his speed by blowing by uh, defenders, then I think that he can really create shots. Also, Leo Elkins. It's a guy that maybe doesn't get talked about as much, but if he puts in 10 or 15, it's it's a lot harder to beat that team because right. it, doesn't, it doesn't mean Rav has to put up 25. It means Rav, Rav has to put up 10, and he yeah. can do that easily. Right, I mean, I think it's the classic, uh, you know, one of those things where, like, you know, how are you going to get to 45 points? Because at the end of the day, you're probably going to need that to be Glatzer. 
And I think that if you look at the teams around the league, teams that can get themselves to 45 points, then this, this is, you can win. And this is a team that definitely can do that with Rab, LSH, and Leah Elkins. All right, guys. Um, so that was a good talk about basketball. We're going to touch up for just a couple minutes on uh, senior football leagues. Call them raw leagues around here. We haven't really talked about much on the podcast this year. The league started after Bazaar. Um, it's been pretty short. There was only actually two games in the regular season. It's interesting, though. Today was the playoffs. I mean, it's a really fun league. It's flag football. The coaches, it's usually a, it's usually the coaches, a K-House league. Yes. Traditionally, this has been a K-House type of league, flag football leagues. But this year, it's been brought back as a waiter in 23 event. Um, and it's really fun. The counselors and the quarterbacks. And I think that that has a big effect on the games, which we'll talk about. It's a whole new really brand of impacted. It is, completely different. It is not regular flag football. It is not, not like regular football. Like regular football. This is really fascinating to watch. Um, it's the Baco flag football. It's this is Baco flag football. <laughs> this is the game. The athletes are really the ones who are thriving. Um, guys like Glasser, guys like Leo. And I think that it was really interesting that today was the quarterfinals. Uh, in the first game, uh, Kenny's team, uh, he's the uh, coach and quarterback. He has Glasser on his team. Uh, won 7-6 at a great game against Danziger's team. He's the coach and the quarterback of that team, which features Eli Greenberger and Rab. And I think this game really just showed Glasser's dominance on this league because this league, uh, Baco flag football, is really about athleticism. The best players in this league are guys like Ben, guys like you, Gabe, guys like Glatzer, who are just like great athletes, Chuck. Um, and the difference between uh, those people and Glatzer is that Glatzer is the biggest target in the league also. So he's really just able to just assert his dominance over this league. And he's playing with a quarterback like Kenny, who I wouldn't say. Kenny is definitely, uh, he's a good athlete, you know, really good. He's head softball, baseball. He's a really good softball player, good some other sports. Uh, quarterbacking, quarterbacking is not his strong suit, I would say, um, to put it lightly. Uh, but Glads are such a big target, uh, great player that it really makes up for it. And Kenny recovered by the end of the game. He actually played a pretty good second half. He made some nice throws, despite throwing a couple picks in the first half. His second half played well. Um, um, and then for Danziger's team, it's a tough way to go out. They had a good team with uh, Eli and Rab, who we know are both terrific athletes. And even though they're not football players, the athleticism really showed in these games. You don't have to be a football player to be good at Raw. Exactly. I play football, and I'm, like, okay at Raw. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's not 100% a translation. Yeah, I mean, I've never played down a football in my life, and I'd right. say I'm and you're a one decent of the best role player. player. One of your best players in the league, right? Um, so it's definitely a really interesting league. It's definitely really interesting to see that result. And then in the second game, we had Satcher, who's the quarterback of the team that has Potters and Danny Knapp, who was able to take down Rabbi's team, which consisted of Newman, Jaden Levy, Ethan Levine. So I think that this was an interesting game because. On paper, Satcher's team is obviously a lot better with guys like Potter. Potter's so Potter's plays football or played football at home, um, and he's a big target. He's really physical. Like he just runs routes. He just runs downhill. He's kind of like a freight train going downhill. He's a big target. He's a big target, and he really just is able. To, he has sharp cuts. Like you can tell, he plays definitely to his advantage that he plays football. Um, just he really runs good routes. Um, gets open. And then a guy like Danny Knapp, who is another. He's really tall. And just a good athlete as a whole. So I think it's a really good one-two punch. They're all taped down a team with Newman, Ethan Levine, which is Rabbi's team. I think Rabbi drafted his team really interestingly, which is he took guys who were 
really good athletes, but not the biggest targets. And I think that it was ultimately just a bad matchup when you take a guy like the Newman Lee being like these are not guys who are, these are the best players. Those are not like tall. They're not tall or like lanky, and that's really what Potter's and Danny Nap are. So I think that was just they ran into a bad matchup um, in this game. Yeah, Raw is definitely size because there's a lot of jump balls. A lot of balls size, and, and that's why Glasser like that. is so dominant because he is the size and the athleticism. Yeah, I mean, like while Jaden Levy's a great guy, you know, going across the middle of the field, going short, breaking some tackles, making a big play, he isn't the best jump ball player because he's he's short. He's a short player. Same thing with Newman and Ethan Levine. Right, and something else. Right, something you have to consider, like you said, there's a lot of jump balls because it's four downs you're going to length of the field. So a lot of times when you don't get completions or you get short completions on the first, second, third down. You, there's a lot, you end up throwing a lot of Hail Marys or deep throws on the third and fourth down. And to have a guy like Potters, Glasser, you know, waiting there in the end zone, someone like that, or even Danny Knapp, sitting there waiting in the end zone is a huge benefit because they can just jump over the top of people. I think uh, a lot of Raw is converting when you're in the red zone. Agreed. That's and a lot of times, it's not that hard maybe. To, if you need to throw three short passes and get to the goal line, but right. it's tough to get in the end zone. Right, especially think, when the defense is clogging it up in there. Even when they're not open, someone like Potters and Knapp and Glatzer right. can, can get touchdowns like that. Right, and then in the third game, um, it was a really tight game. This one actually went to overtime. It was Wilkie, who was the quarterback of the team, that had Chuck and uh, Jake Greenberger. And then the final was like 49-42 or something. Yeah, it was a really tight it. game. Went to overtime. And then Wilkie made a three-touchdown The team that had um, Jesse Harwin... On it, and Jake Cohen as their quarterbacks. They split time as quarterbacks. Had Leo Hoffman, uh, Sammy Zarrett. So that that was a really interesting game because I don't think either of these teams were necessarily the most dominant teams in the league. LSH is not. He's not a football player, but he's, he's probably. I would say he is the hardest player in the league to rip his flags off when he gets the ball in space because he is so agile. Um, he's so fast. He's just such a. He's a really just has so much energy as an athlete, and he just will not stop running. He's like one of those guys where, like, he'll rip his, he's very high motor. Like, you'll rip his flag off and he'll still run the length of the end zone, like, just because. Uh, he's just, like, he just has so much energy out there. He's really hard to stop. And he's not even going for deep passes, per se. He's kind of getting short, intermediate plays, and he turns them into bigger games. He's your, and that's what he did well. He's your typical dominant slot receiver. Shifty. Hard to tackle, very good in short and intermediate. Right. Yeah. And for Chuck's team, I think that this was a struggle all season. Uh, they were 0-2 in the regular season, lost this game. It was a really tight game. They haven't played terrible. And then they, it's not like they're a bad team. They're honestly probably pretty middle of the pack, I would say. But guys like, like Chuck is such a good athlete. Every sport he plays, he's one of the most dominant players. And he's just did a great job getting just reception after reception. He kind of played, like, a Julian Edelman-style yeah, game where, Adam like, Thielen. just get, yeah, Adam Thielen, like, where you just, like, short range, short mid-range, range, mid-range, like, a lot routes. of, like, easy, he's running, like, post routes, comebackers, like, kind of easy, like, mid-range plays. But he he didn't really get over the top of the defense today, especially when he's being guarded by tough guys like Sammy Zarin, uh Leo Hoffman, Guys, he he really he didn't get over the top as much. I mean, he did. He's smaller, but uh, he got like one. There was one play where he was being guarded by Leo Hoffman and Wilkie, the quarterback, like threw it up. It was like a really deep pass, and like he was like a little bit open, but he was just so he was just smaller than Leo, and Leo ended up with the interception. Not because it was even that bad of a throw. It's just like tough for him. So he, I mean, he's doing as best as he can, um, and I think he played really well. The team played well. It was a really tight game in overtime. Um, 
was interesting. Loki's team utilized his zone for a lot of the game, which is you know, it got unique, picked apart. Which a is a lot unique strategy. Which is definitely the team in the league that uses the only team in the league that tried to use his zone, and I think that it displayed. I think so. Their best athletes, guys like Chuck, guys like Jacob, are guys who can really stick in that zone. Guys like Euler, Phil. For a lot of the game, can stick in the zone, but when you're talking about the fourth, fifth players on the roster, sometimes they have trouble. It's a lot to think about at once. It's kind of almost like for people who are non-football players, you can get a little sophisticated, too much to pay attention to. You can clog one side of the zone. That kind of got picked apart mid-game. I think if they never went to that, they might have had a better shot to win this game because it was responsible for a couple of really deep plays. Yeah, the zone can be a good defense, but you've got to know your assignments. If you don't know, you know where you're playing the zone, where your, your zone is... They're going to get picked apart. You know, Dylan Chronicle picked it apart. JR picked it yeah. apart last game. Um, it's a it's a good defense, but it's it's definitely a gimmicky defense. It's not something you run for, like, a while. It's something it's that you can, you can switch to once every drive or, or something that works once every now and then. And I think towards the end of the game, Wilkie's... He said that man was the best strategy, and uh, you know their defense tightened up. And a even though bit. sometimes guys like Leo can beat you when you're playing man, just because he's so fast. Overall, I think that was a better strategy um, for them. But unfortunately, they can't wait the loss. And then the last game, the other three games finished their quarterfinal matchups. They're in the semis. Um, this last game actually to be put in pause at halftime, mid game due to an injury. So Ben Cohen had established himself on the first two. Games, I would say hands down the best player in the league, right? I mean, he's catching four or five touchdowns. A dominant game, deep over the middle. Dominant yeah. player. Like, he was just getting over the top of the defense constantly. Like, Only he a was, by Hilton. Yeah, he was just. Tyree like, Killish. Yeah. Tyree Kill, yeah. Uh, just like kind of an electric player. Um, and then he suffers the toe injury in Chief Soccer. Uh, he had to leave Chief Soccer, which we talked about on the Olympics podcast that we did after the sing. Um, but he, so he plays basketball leagues yesterday. He's playing hobbled, but like he still got through it. He's, you know, he's walking around. And he's playing in the middle of this raw game, right? He's playing through halftime. Um, and he was definitely hobbled, right? Like, you could notice out there. I mean, they're down three touchdowns to one in the half, which is uncharacteristic. He was not playing as well as he usually does. And uh, Gabe, they're playing against you. You're the best player on the team, and they're playing against, like, what were you noticing out of that first half there? You guys were up, and you're expecting him to be, like, incredible, but he was clearly, you know, not on his top game with his toe. Just on the uh, – I think when it's on his right foot. Yeah. It's when he, when you, whenever he cut on the right foot, I guess it was, it just – it hurts. It doesn't look good. It's tough to move. It doesn't right. look Right, and so basically what happens is he was playing on it, and then he had gone two days ago to, uh, like, a half hour away to get some x-rays, and then mid-game the – uh, doctor got word of what the x-rays, the x-rays came back positive with a broken toe. So the nurse actually came down to the lower and pulled Ben out of the game because the yes. toe had previously been thought to be hyperextended. It was then found out that it was broken. So mid-game, um, the mid of the first half, end of the first half, Ben was pulled from the game. And when you pull your superstar player, I mean, his team, he's been a sensational player, but his team is not as deep. As mm-hmm. some of the other teams in the league, so when you they pull have him, guys, uh, yeah, I mean, it's not a bad team, yeah. but um, definitely they struggled. So that game was put on pause, and they're actually getting Chuck as a substitute. That game was going to continue five o'clock camp cleanup. So Gabe, what do you think? How does their team look with Chuck as opposed to Ben? Because Chuck's a good player, but I mean, Ben was just amazing in this. And uh, in this league, I think Chuck's just you know maybe just like just a little bit slower than Ben, maybe not as good of a route runner. I think. 
Chuck think, is, is an Adam Thielen. He's not a deep, over-the-top threat. He right. is very good on you the sidelines, over the middle, 10 yards, mid-range. I agree. Chuck is just, you know, like Odell, you know, just goes deep, catches the ball. You mean Ben. I'm yeah. sorry, Ben. Yeah, my fault. Ben is like Odell. He just goes deep, catches the ball, breaks it away. Ben doesn't do a lot of, uh, you know, short game and all I think, that. I think to score in roll, it's kind of three different ways you could score. There's deep balls we talked about how kind of dominant players can just get them when they want sometimes and just like right. it's just the entire length of the field one one play touchdown. Then there's the occasional um, just sometimes you miss the flag when it's flag football and just guys have space and they can get into the end zone. Someone just easily. breaking it. And then there's the kind of the methodical drives, the ten fifteen yards. Right, those are probably the most difficult. To I think off. I think yeah, I think you want to get players that look that can do all three. Chuck's play that kind of do two of them, like players like Ben and Glass yeah. can do all three. Yeah, I'd agree. That's probably the most important. That's a good breakdown. I'd say the league. So it's gonna be interesting to watch. We'll definitely be following up on Raw. Also, softball league's playoffs are going on after the uh, semifinals wrap up of that. I think we'll be talking about that in the next podcast. I mean, there's only two. There's only two days left of camp after today, so all this stuff is going to be finishing up really soon. We'll be going uh, haywire on the podcast here in the next couple of days, going all out, um, doing all this stuff. We're yeah. down to the home stretch here of camp, of all it's these gonna be things. Yeah. It's going to be a lot going on. Awesome couple of days. Just action-packed. The, they're all prime of the league's This finals. is the prime of the leagues. Um, it's going to be awesome to see. So, guys, thank you for coming on. There will be a raw finals uh like live, yeah. We'll be doing. Yeah. I'll be doing a, a raw Super Bowl. I will be hopefully doing a play yeah. by play of that one. Put that on the feed. So yeah, so much going on the next too. couple of days. As always, thank you guys so much for listening. Um, appreciate it. I'm your host Maddie Washman saying so long, and we'll see you next time on the Baker Sports Report.